Hello and welcome to episode 9 of Let Them Eat Cake. This episode we discuss Ukraine and Russia with a fellow grassroots journalist who has a focus on Ukraine. More specifically, we touch on Wagner, the effects of corruption, a dash of Putin, and we briefly touch on the war. As Russian influence, both militarily and propagandistically, is quite vast, there was only so much that we could actually talk about, but this will not be the last time that we touch on the subject. As always, we are 5th Gen, an information warfare cooperative that aims to shed light on things those in power want to be kept in the dark. We give a voice to the voiceless and give people the information that they need to thrive in a world that tries so hard to starve you of it. I'm Jack, my co-host is John, and I hope you enjoy the show. It should be fine. We have a weapon more powerful than the British Empire, and that weapon is our refusal to bow to any order but our own, any institution but our own. The aspect when we talk about uh, social media's effect on this war, I think you, like Telegram is probably the main app where we're going to be talking about the effect it's had, I think, right? Oh, for sure. Oh, for sure. For sure. So what are, can we talk about the uh, the process of what goes on and how, how to use Telegram for information? Oh, well, you you basically, you go in there, you, you start finding channels like anything else, like any other social media. And then you start deriving, like, from where it's coming from, like, what country and stuff. The way the Ukrainian army has been using Telegram, you know, and Twitter. Well, if you kind of look at it, too, I was mentioning it to somebody a while back. I feel like this is kind of like the first war in a while, and correct me if I'm wrong, um, where you're seeing it, like, in, like, literal real time, similar to how the Vietnam War was filmed, Mm. where when you had reporters on the ground, that's, and that, I say this all the time, news, yes. And that was literal live footage, and that's like a whole other rabbit hole you could go down. That's the reason why the American news doesn't film wars anymore the way they do, because of those live coverages, because American citizens would turn on the news and see, the, like, you know, holy shit, that guy is an American. The reality of up. war like, is wow. what it's called. Yeah, it that's will. That's yeah. realistically, that's what it's called. And people need to know the reality of war that's to correct. understand what the American government is really doing and all the governments that are waging well, war, really. What's important people is it need telegram, to know. Telegram, what's important about it is the geolocation data. Yes. Mm. Right? So we are able to know for sure. Like, the 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 live map. That, that it's it like... They 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 had to like rebuild their whole website because it started crashing when the Ukraine war started. You know? Yeah, because people were just overloading it. Yeah, so like everyone depends on that website, right? But they track every like Everything. so they they have a video with a geolocation showing a vehicle was destroyed there, right? That's how they do that map. So that map isn't real time data. It's after the battle is over. Yeah, it's about an hour or so later. Yeah. So it's still, so that's why, that's why I knew an hour ahead of time that the war was starting. Mm. Mm, Good point, good point. Because there's still an information delay. It's not quite live. It's not quite instant. But that's also a good thing because, because it's that when you end up posting these things and they go viral online, you're not exposing positions anymore. No. And also too, if you notice there's about, 
say like you were bringing up the live UA map, it's about give it or take like 45 minutes to an hour to two hours, whether the information is posted from when the event happened. Then say someone relays that information to some sort of social media website. Then you might see it on the mainstream media, whether it's international or it's the French, the German, the British, or blah, 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 blase Al Jazeera. Um, that might be the next day, like eight or 12 hours later, because they're waiting to kind of confirm that information on top of it. Because I'll see things that we'll put online and then I'll be home the next day or maybe late in the morning and the international news will be talking about it then. Where yeah. when I was posting it, they were talking about, you know, whatever, you know what I mean? Well, the the main, like the corporate press doesn't really care for it. Like it, it's, it only matters because it gets clicks for them. If it didn't get clicks for them, they wouldn't give a shit. Everyone is stealing each other's work. The corporate press just has a day delay to us. We did the work for them, right? So, like, grassroots yeah. journalists are the one who circulate the information. It's all it's all coming down where it's civilian journalists at the source, right? We we like you look at the you know the the girl on the bicycle who got shot. You know how we had the satellite images to prove that that tank shot her. You remember that? That was huge news when the uh, the butcher massacre, right? Uh, you were talking about when the exists. person was riding the bike down right at the yes. beginning of the war, and yes. the, the Russians were like, "Oh well." What if that was a, they were using the whole aspect of kind of similar, like with the Americans when they, they were, were saying that the bodies were placed there and it was staged. Oh, and the that. thing is, is that they weren't because I, because of, because I know how blood works. <laughs> well, not only that, like when I hear, like when you watch those videos and you hear they place the bodies there, I'm like, you're looking at all the bodies. You're like, you really think someone went around bodies. like, like I, I work construction and stuff. So like, and putting all those people all over the place, all neatly like that, to make it look like a movie scene. Do you know how much time and effort that is in the middle of a war zone while people are getting shot at? In in the middle of an active battlefield? Please. Well, they said that Zelensky went out and executed all the Russians who didn't get out in time. All the Russians who actually oh. wanted to be part of Russia. Hmm. But that's the thing is, it's their narrative. It's not I meant guess... for us anymore. They have been completely disconnected from the West. I need to know that magic Slavic carpet he has because I don't know. <laughs> yeah, but that's, that's the reason why we look at satellite images and show that that girl was dead on the street weeks beforehand. That case where that girl is on the bike because we have angles, we have satellites, we have images, we, have, we know how blood works, like geolocation, all this shit. All of that stuff gives us definitive fact that Russia committed a war crime on that street by shooting that girl on that bicycle. And everyone knows what I'm talking about when I talk about this. Mm -hmm. Like, as long as you've been following Ukraine, you know about this. That was also because of TikTok, because a lot of people will just be filming TikToks and catch shit in the background. Right. That's so wild. Did you post a, like a friendly fire incident where they didn't use a password correctly? No, that wasn't friendly fire. Those were two Russians and they didn't have their armbands on. Okay, because I didn't, I, I glanced it, so. It was a Ukrainian sentinel uh, on guard, obviously, looked like guarding some sort of, like, outer trench position in, like, the field somewhere, and there was two Russians approaching approaching him without armbands on, and it looks like they're wearing multicam, so from a multicam aspect, they could be anything, you know, on that front. Um, and, yeah, he got shot. looks like he died, I'm assuming, because I, the watermark in the corner is a russian watermark so i'm guessing they collected his video off of him mm -hmm. um but uh they use a 
specific kind of like digi camo pattern and then the russians have a green kind of digital pattern i forget the turn or the name off the top of my head but then you have a mix of both after that too so um and the ukrainians use a green yellow and blue armbands where the russians they always have used white that goes like that i think goes all the way back to chechnya honestly when they were in crimea russia was able to deny that they were their forces there but most of them, from what I understand, were actually Wagner mercenaries. Mm-hmm. So they kind of did, the they did the same thing, kind of like with Blackwater, the United States did in Afghanistan, Iraq. It's different, though. Yeah. It's a little different. Well, plausible um, deniability is kind yes, of running away. that is the key there. Using the same loophole, Wagner is something else, you know? And you know that they, um, oh, yeah, you know that they came in and helped lock down Wuhan, right? And the types of people that would be doing this type of stuff is Wagner. Like they do an entire propaganda division. I mean, look at that, uh, the fucking, um, the, the hammer massacre in Syria that they do to that guy who was a defector, right? They're ordered to make that video of slaughtering it's like torturing that guy who pissed himself. And then they fucking cut his head off and hung him upside down, lit him on fire. Yes. Yes. And we geolocated that. They made sure to film it in the background where we could geolocate too. That was a very deliberate video done for a reason, right? So, and they've also made really great false flag ones. There's this great one that Wagner makes, and it's uh, it's allegedly as of Italian crucifying a guy and then lighting his head on fire, but it like cuts right when his head gets lit, lit on fire. Wait, are you talking about the one where they nail him to the cross and everything? Yes, yes, and then they light him on fire. That's it's fucking fake as shit. Okay, I saw that a well, while about... ago, and I was wondering whether... The... It's well done. It's it well done. In the sense it was said in the beginning of the war, and I was like, okay, and I hadn't seen it's it. It's an old video, actually. They've used it for a while. Uh-huh. So what about the... Do you remember the, the people who had the their faces painted blue and were tied around the, the poles? That actually happened. For starters, times where it was really problematic is when it was Roma. So looting is naturally just going to happen regardless. And Roma have always been discriminated against, so they're going to have uh, more poverty in general. So it just goes into the stereotypes, the derogatory terms, calling them gypsies and all this background stuff. It feeds Russian propaganda when it ends up being Roma people. But a lot of those people, it's civilians who are punishing people who are coming in and fucking up their neighborhoods. But we have to understand that there is a material condition aspect about it. And you know what's worse than that? Fucking that girl with Down syndrome that we fucking see a video with her mom an hour before the fucking bomb dropped on her. And then the next thing we see is a Ukrainian soldier holding up the stroller and that fucking dead girl's under it, you know? And the fucking, the Russian, uh, Russians on Telegram are celebrating it, saying, oh, I hope this happens to all Ukrainians and shit like that. You tied some people to a poll. How about deliberately massacring civilians? I mean, it's, it's Russian MI, right? They love doing that. Yeah. Russian military, anyway. Yeah, that's all they it's can like, do. Yeah, yeah. They can't that's fight. Their thing. That's yeah, they can't proven. fight. It's, it's clear they're like invading Ukraine and not being able to beat a neutered military is um, kind of emblematic emblematic of uh, how much your how much corruption your military has and how much it's really taken effect. From the start, I said this war will be won by corruption. So when we talk about America's agenda, right, and how they don't give Ukraine the guns that they need, we have to look at Zelensky's history and the oligarchs that backed him and his status in the Pandora Papers. There is problematic things there with him. That's the main reason why 
America is not giving them the shit they actually need. Because what happens when they win? That's what's key about other countries' involvement. What we actually are seeing is the best counter to corruption is being done on the Ukrainian side because of the volunteers and the anarchists. People are sending them optics, sending them drones. So they're able to have the shit that they need. Like they have a working rifle, but have you seen the fucking body armor videos where they capture the Russian body armor and they pull it out? It's like aluminum. Wait, what? Yeah. Honestly, (laughs) they remind me of like a freaking like, like when you're sitting in a bus station, like the back of the seats. Yes. They look like. Yes, that that might be what it is. Wouldn't even even stop at 22. Because the Russian military sold the body armor itself and replaced it with some bullshit, right? So this is why they have to go buy guns from China, because half their warehouses (laughs) have been looted and there's just an IOU note on the shelf. Well, yeah. Have you I'll seen the videos up. where they're punching in the helmets with just their fists and their heads? Oh my god. Like, they're like ten cans. This is hilarious. Like, I'm not even joking. Like, there's a video where there's a Ukrainian soldier that got a captured Russian helmet. And the dude takes it, like, when you see, like, a frat boy smash, a, like, a beer can on his head. And he just takes it. And it's, like, like dented. Like, it's aluminum. Like, okay, that wouldn't well, even stop, like, a football. From what <laughs> I know about ballistic helmets, okay? And... I, I, is that there's two parts to it, right? So there's like, um, there's the actual like armor stuff, and then there's like more of like a retainer thing. And that retainer is like, you can just break it. So, and that's, it like goes inside the helmet. So it's like actually what the ballistics like are supposed to attach to on the head. And that, that piece mm-hmm. is kind of like worthless. So you'll see that a lot with old war helmets, right? A lot of them, are these types of helmets that were just meant to not bump your head on shit and the tanks and the and all that stuff. That's the main purpose of these helmets. It's not to stop around because ballistic helmets in general aren't going to really stop around. If you get shot in the helmet, you're more than likely going to die. Yeah. I think, um, I think Brandon Herrera tested some military helmets, tested Russian helmets, tested American Yeah, so helmets, I, think, I think when you see videos like anything. that, there is videos where the Ukrainians are doing their own lies and propaganda, right? But it's, but it's also, it's not in a factor of like a corruption way or stuff. They're trying to make it look like, so you'll see the reactive armor on the tanks, right? They'll make it look like that there's only foam inside and they'll take videos <laughs> like that. But the charges were inside there. Ukrainians mm. just took them for their own tanks. This tank can't be salvaged. It's in the field. They're going to leave it there. They're going to take their reactive armor plates leave out of there. Leave it to the farmers. Mm-hmm. Now well, all the, the farmers have their tanks. So there is an aspect of that. When they're talking about helmets being dented in, I think those are just the liners. I'm I'm not sure. I've, I heard rumors that they're not sending ethnic... Um, no, you're correct. But that, that, okay. So they're not sending ethnic Russians, which is an even more interesting point. And then you've also got stuff from Ukraine, you know... You know why? Uh, propaganda. Propaganda... Uh, you know why they're not sending ethnic Russians? Because uh, Russians dying in Ukraine is probably not a good look for Putin. Who's That's trying to part of it. Power but, but about it, who's about more his likely to kill a fucking... Slavic person? Yeah, uh, non Slavic person. You were saying before, go about... back to yeah, Nazi tactics. Exactly. It was what you were talking about. I was going to literally bring this up earlier on how they're sending people yeah. uh, from the Urals to go and fight. Like, if you think about, I don't know if you witnessed it, but that castration video from about a month ago. Yes, yeah. And I was seeing reports today. I haven't confirmed it. I'm waiting to get requested into this Telegram group. But apparently there's a video 
of this person being captured by the Ukrainians that did that, but I cannot confirm that. Uh, is that the one where they put the machete in his back? No, that was a shovel. That's a different person. Oh, it's a shovel. That's pretty metal. That, that that um that no, this is the guy that actually performed the castration has apparently been captured. Interesting. Apparently, well, I did well, not hear about that. Confirmed. I only saw one post earlier, and it was a link to another channel, and this was the first one I had to get requested to get into. So, mm. um, I'm waiting. I haven't checked if I got let in, but apparently, I think I saw that castration video on um, Frontier Conflict. I think is the Telegram channel. Yes. Yeah, yeah that's yeah, the mate. They're pretty good, yeah. Yeah, I talk to him all the time. He's a good mate. Well, he's, uh, he's, uh, are you, he's, are uh, you mocking me? No, no he's, um, <laughs> no, uh, he's from, uh, Wales. He's, a uh, Welsh. I heard that the, um, that because of the castration video, the Ukrainians were going pretty war crimey against the, um, against the Russians. They were pretty pissed off about it. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah, and also, it also depends what division as well. So, like, mm. it's 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 funny that they focus on Azov Battalion and not the Crimea Battalion because the Crimea yeah. Battalion, well, yeah, they have like their logo is like an E. See that logo in the center of the patch? This is a Cossack horseman, uh, and on the shield, that logo, right? That's the Crimea Battalion. That uh, logo right there. That I staple. haven't really seen that much on what. Yeah, I... they're not like uh, directly connected to Al Qaeda, but they have um fought with al-qaeda in like the syrian civil war things like that libya stuff like that a lot of these people right so a lot of these peoples are uh in in the crimean battalion all came from the syrian civil war so there's syrians in that battalion too so you see you don't see a lot about that battalion because they're not posting yeah, hmm. so this is this is the azov one like the little Black Sun is there. The That's, the yeah. That's the old one. That's the old one. That's the old one. They've changed it. They've but changed they... it. Oh, have they? Because it's it's still. I'm on pretty the sure they took issue. out the Black Sun and the the Nazi iconography because it's less nationalistic now as in general. Sure. Um, but yeah, the Italian like, overall, I think, is kind of mellowed out with all of that. I think yeah. also too, a lot of the guys that were hardcore into that have died. Yeah, in Maryland. Well, I mean, at, in well, the reality, right, the I, I looked Corps. into this. Well, if you think about it like this, right, I looked into how many there were before the war started. About a thousand, right? And they are in the absolute thick of the fighting, right? So, realistically, what we should have been doing is encouraging Azov to go and fight the Russians. If they really wanted to denazify, we should have been, have been encouraging them to go off, right? Because mm -hmm. a thousand fighters, a thousand is not much. Ask yourself the question, right? So every armed forces is going to have this type of problem, a, a huge type of like extreme nationalist fascist problem where yeah. there's soldiers in the army that has it. What is the better solution? America, dispatch them all throughout your unit so they can be all through different units and there's one fascist here or and have one a fascist single there, unit or put them all in the same spot where they're most likely to die fighting you know yes yeah good point and the other thing too is like every like you were bringing up earlier like every country's got like fascists in every form whether it's the military government police force blase blase i'll just throw a little uh turkey out here to shoot at um <laughs> What would you think of this? Because I watched something a while ago about where in America there was a thing I watched where they were bringing up the aspect of when 
people go into the military gang members and then they go in learn all these tactics and training and stuff and then they come out of the military and then they go back to where they're from and then they use those tactics and training in their gang activities um there's an aspect to that just and i'm just saying it in the sense of like you also have the police force coming back well what i'm bringing this up in the sense of the comparison to azov where you have like i won't say an extremist factor where it comes to gang members but it's just like you have a problem within the military you know what i mean and but then like these far-right extremists also have a military background police also have a military background all the problematic Mm. things in america do have a military background right that's what i mean so it's just funny when you when not you but i mean like when people are pointing out as when you were saying like it's only a thousand something people and you're going to portray it to an entire nation is kind of insane like i'm not gonna it is insane yeah, I'm Ukraine. Like, Ukraine is actually one of the least fascist countries in Europe. Yeah, I'm like, for instance, I'm not going to betray what a gang member does in the Marine Corps, and then goes and does whatever he does in his neighborhood on my entire country. You know what I mean? Same thing with no, exactly. A police and this officer. Is, this is my biggest problem. Yeah, and this is going back to what we're talking about—the far right um, pushing by Putin and stuff, right? Mm it's it's more or less a dead ideology really like there's a little bit that with putin pushing propaganda it's kind of re-sparked it a little bit but people don't buy this shit anymore it's so unattractive imagine going up to someone today and going hey white race superior join us people are gonna look at you like what the fuck are you talking about no you're you know correct. what i mean yeah like, like it's it's check more out, or less a dead ideology in the group in the in the private chat right so um, this is a map and it the specifically, I want to point out the, the flawed data on this map. Because we need to talk about the data bias on this map. So it's measuring a specific thing. Just like how if you track racism, the United States is the least racist country in the world. It's a very specific question. This is nationalist parties. The percentage of nationalist parties that have access in parliament and seats. So we know there's fascist movements in Britain, but it's zero because there's only two parties in Britain. Right? So that's where the flaws are. And you also, there'll also be like, um, so like if you look at nationalism maps, you'll also have like Scotland nationalists. They're a completely different type of nationalist. So we're not just talking about fascism here. All right. But that being said, look at the percentage of Ukraine and look at the percentage of Russia. It's what, six times higher in Russia? Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. look at how low it is in Ukraine compared to the rest of Europe. Yeah, 2%. 2%. And then even Poland. Poland's 50%. Mm-hmm. Um, is that Denmark? Poland has is... a huge fash problem. Twenty-eight percent. Twenty-eight percent. I think that's Denmark, right? Yep. And then you've got twenty-three percent in Italy. Uh, down look, here, you see, in Ireland. The, Ireland is really Balkans. high as well, but there's no fascists in Ireland. Mm. You know, but there, the Nationalist Party is the dominant party. It's the Republic. Yeah. So what's what's this fifty percent here? Is that Hungary? Moldova. No. No. Which one? Uh, Moldova, Romania, and then there's the one next to Romania, the forty nine point four percent. Austria. I think I think that's Hungary. I think that's Hungary. Oh, that's. Um, and then you've got like Serbia and Kosovo and all this stuff down here, which I expect to be higher, but it's not. Well, Kosovo is really high as well because of the situation in Kosovo. It's a different type of nationalism Mm. there as well. It's very, it's very interesting. This doesn't measure fascism exactly we're talking about nationalist parties here nationalism so it, which but, is not fascism which yeah. we should we should say that is that nationalism is not fascism 
However, fascism has a massive part of it is nationalism, mm-hmm. ultra-nationalism, but, as but they would say. where there is fascist parties, they identify as nationalist parties. So at the yes. same time, what it does tell us is that nationalists in general have no power in the Ukrainian government. They have 2% of mm. the government. Yeah. That's nothing. Yeah. And there's, like, you even know, Norway America has more fascists in the government because of because mm. they're all belonging to one party, you know? So America's yeah. actually worse in this regard. Britain is actually worse in this regard. Ukraine has the advantage here. So every time we post something, every time, every video, right, that is more important than anything else that you can do. Like, um, you know, it's like people don't understand what likes do, you know, and hashtags and campaigns and things like that. Like, it is more important politically to win the war on the front of the mindset of the people on the ground, right? The Russians are fucking tired right now. Uh, every flag if you fighters that, don't want to fight. You're not going to yeah, get Yeah, every flag that anywhere. they see go up in those viral videos that are being circulated, they're on Telegram too. They're seeing them, right? So what happens I mean, they're, now... They're definitely running away at this point. Yeah, well, and that's the thing, is, is that you can use this to our advantage if NATO actually spent money and capitalized on it. But if the information warfare aspect of it is that these accounts, like literally NAFO, right? They these videos that we post are the greatest ammunition to use against Russia at this point. Once they're on the retreat like this, the greatest ammo you have is the words and the and the videos and the evidence. It's so propaganda. The, so we become the guns mm. at this point. Mm. It's no different to the start of the war, though. Like the the ghost of Kiev and all those things, right? Oh yeah, uh, Russian warship, go fuck yourself. Well, all that sort of stuff. It's it's great for morale for the Ukrainians. It's not so much sometimes about the truth, but it's more or less about the end game, the means to the end of the story. You the know? reason for fighting. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. You can't just have a really good reason for fighting. That's not your only hope to win the war. They also no. have fucking end laws and javelin missiles. Yeah, the, those things are yeah, all that definitely like AK-47s. They're like pocketbooks. Everyone's got one or a wallet. <laughs> They're everywhere. They're like yeah. trees out there. Well, they were giving them away um, like a month into it. They're like, if you want to stay, we'll give you an AK. <laughs> At this point, they got missiles everywhere. I mean, that's why the Russians <clears throat> fly so, like, why you see the all every video with every, uh, whether it's both sides, they're flying so low because there's just anti-air missile systems everywhere. Like, everyone's just walking around with them. Like, you and can this fly goes back to what I said earlier, is that Russia didn't train for this in Syria. They only bombed civilians. So in the beginning of the war, their bombing campaigns were completely ineffective. Well, this too is, this is the first time they're fighting a conventional army. This in- is the most advanced war ever fought on Earth. I mean, they haven't, every war they fought since the end of the Soviet Union, since basically, no, not even Afghanistan. I, World War Two, Yeah. World yeah. War II, they have yeah. not fought a conventional war since then. In general, yeah, the globe, the in general, force. the globe, since World War mm. II, this is the most advanced since World War II, but that's why it's, 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 that's, and it's the, and it's the first time where uh, memes are playing a significant factor. And like, this is why our company is named fifth gen mm. because it's the first fifth warfare. generation war. Like we're in mm, a yeah. new decade of combat where the, uh, the, you know the next most important weapon besides the soldier 
is the dog uh, profile that's harassing the Russian, you know, like the, the fucking cartoon dogs that are just like, cause you can't, you can't default platform all of them. So now there's just all these cartoon dogs that they, that they try to convince people are fucking an op, but it's like, maybe you're just a dick. And that's why they're. But doing it, it's it. it's also it's also basically a hydra as well. The more people hear about it, the more people know about it, and the more that they get banned, the more that will pop up, and it just right. and as they said, NAFO expansion, right? It it never ends. That they're they're more living kind of in the aspect of like they see things from the end of the Cold War, and they're kind of seeing like how the old Russian ideology is moving in. And that communist communist aspect is like really like <clears throat> trying to, like I said, relive those old Putin chapters that he wants to live in that fairy tale. Mm-hmm. And so the the Balkan region, we've seen some escalations with uh with you know Serbia, Kosovo. Yeah, Kosovo. yeah. yeah. there there. I I speak to a guy that lives in Kosovo, and he like. The, the geopolitical dynamic of that place is so confusing sometimes to me, like just mm-hmm. to like, understand it because you have to remember like there are Albanians living there in Kosovo. And then there's like people from Kosovo. Live, like it's just like, it's just so all over the, then you have Croatians and it's so all over the place to try and keep track of it all. But it's heavy tribalism for the most part. And it's never been fully like established as like, where everyone's comfortable. It, it's similar to the, uh, oh goodness, I'm going to probably mispronounce it wrong, like the Armenian and Azerbaijan uh, yep. uh, region that they are fighting over. Uh, Nagorno-Karabakh. Yes. Thank you for saying that. I wasn't even going to try and pronounce that right now. <laughs> um, it's similar to that. It's heavy tribalism, and like it's just so like mixed. Like When he's telling me some of these things, I'm like, I'm trying to wrap my head around it, and I'm like, hmm, all right, well. And that's that's the thing is, is like, uh, as Americans, we don't have that type of nationalism. Hey. We, you know, we can't trace, because we, <laughs> we, we, you know, we are not native to the region that we're in, so we can't trace that type of, like, blood and soil type motivation that a lot of these countries end up having, you know, that are fighting over places like Nagorno-Karabakh. I was speaking to a uh, Croton report and Mike reports about this and Mike reports, he's based out of Georgia, the country. And uh, just for Americans listening, you know, there's a country called Georgia too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and he was bringing up this exact same point where he's like, you know, like people here, like when they're talking about like the different historical conflicts or whatever, like he's like, these things go back like thousands of years. Yeah. Like here, and he's like, I'm talking to people and they're like bringing up things where like things happened five, six hundred, eight hundred years ago and they're still upset about it now. And like for us as Americans, that's kind of hard to grasp because like I think the most if we're talking like conflict wise and we're like the most destruction and things we might have done the worst to each other as far as that would go to the Civil War as far as like division wise you think about like these other countries and it's like oh think about that like from a thousand years ago now and you're like oh okay like that makes sense why you guys have these these issues and you don't necessarily may not get along but you have these disagreements and this is what leads to these certain circumstances you know what i mean 
And this is why it's almost beyond Marx our scope ignorant. too. It, it really is it's, sometimes it's, because, like, you think about yeah. it, like a thousand years ago, two thousand years ago, Jesus Christ was walking around, and we're like, that's something we build buildings for now, and it's like, okay, mm. that, that's a different perspective, right there, real okay. quick. I actually just watched a uh, video about the. I can't remember exactly, but he's basically Zelensky's right-hand man, and his his version of how he wants to bring Ukraine into the new fold after the war is to be like the new Kiev and Rus, pretty much. He wants to make it into this sense of, because uh, I, you know, I'm sure some people listening to this will probably shoot me for this, but I do think this is kind of, Russia's new version of their Soviet-Afghan war. Because if you look at the casualty rate and the information campaign that they're putting out that's more or less lying to their public in a sense, we all don't know exactly what's going on the ground. You know, we see what we see and we analyze what we analyze. But 50,000 plus some odd men to lose in six months, that's a lot of a lot of explaining to to a lot of people, you know what I mean? And I don't care how many nice letters and whatever stamps you put on them with so many, you know, flags and fancy, you know, medals and whatnot. People are going to want answers. And especially... They're being, people, and especially they're being killed worse now than they were in the Afghan war. Well, the faster. Faster. Mm -hmm. Quicker mm -hmm. and faster. And, and the, question, the question really comes to for what right and then what we go back to it is these are people mostly east of the Urals a lot of times who are in areas of russia that are basically still living in like post-soviet or soviet era conditions you know in the sense of like you're living in the 1970s like the, the you drive on one paved road maybe or only in downtown after that it's all dirt roads and go paths right why'd my son die and go all the way over there for what you know what I mean? And to go liberate a made-up republic that I don't even know, that I'm never going to be able to visit or even hop on a train and afford to. Can you touch on how Ukraine is actually the ones that are identifying the Russian soldiers and informing their families that their sons have died in the war? Wait, well, what? Okay, this is interesting that you bring this up. You know, you take pictures of people or whatever, but it's like, they're taking pictures and then sending it to their mothers? And I'm like... This is a new form of information warfare. They have I, a hotline that, yeah, that, no, they that Russians can call to confirm like if, if their sons have died. As, exactly. Like, as if we're talking right now, or, like, if I was just to pick up my phone in a second and text message to some some of my friends. Hey, this is your dead son. <laughs> like, before even the Russian ministry can even tell them. Like, forget about the knock on the door with the the, the letter with the guy in the uniform. Well, they're also marketing it like they're doing a humane thing, and, and it's less of an information warfare. I, I, I didn't even I didn't even think of it as a humane thing. I was just like, you know that's what? That's how it's been advertised. Yeah, that's... Yeah, it's a bit of both. Oh, yeah, if it, it was advertised as a humane thing, I didn't pick that up, because to me, I well, was... Well, it was yeah. by the mainstream media. Oh, that's interesting. Uh, by cool. Ukraine's official channels. By, like, Zelensky would probably say it himself. Uh... uh I don't remember. It was a long time ago, but I okay. know it was official. Ukraine's narrative is that they wanted to establish that they have a hotline that people can call in Russia to find out if their kids are killed because nobody knew what okay, happened. I, like I they, can, they just swapped the, up these kids. Nobody knows can, where they went. I can see the point of how that, why, or the the, the dynamic behind that. But 
I just looked at it, I was like, wow. Yeah, and it's all about the, it, it might be the plan and the execution, like the team you have doing that, they kind of have their own agenda, possibly, or it could be a uh, information warfare tactic from the beginning, but it's a very smart tactic. Well, I think, uh, basically, I could see from the dynamic from them, it would be like, at the beginning of the war, they were saying it was a special operation, and maybe they were doing it in the sense of like, hey, look, this is a real war. Like, we're really fighting and killing your kids. You know what I mean? Just hypothetically thinking outside the box. But at the same time, I basically looked at it when I first sent it to this person. I was like, dude, this is insane. Like, uh, th that's pretty crazy. Like, that's that's some wild stuff. I didn't look at it from left or right. I was just like, wow. Like, we, we've gone there. We've gone to another type of type of realm where, like, you, you can wake up the next day and be like, hey, look. This is your dead kid with his head blown off. You know, look, I'm wearing his face. Because I've seen some stuff like that. <laughs> look, I'm wearing his face. No, I have seen some stuff like that where I'm yeah. like... I'm... Well, I think it's like, because it's one of the things, it's like, it's it's it all comes down to the soldiers in the field, you know? Like, they're stressed. They have a lot of anger. They've I seen mean, what war, the Russians war, have done. Simple as this, war is war, you know? Mm -hmm. like, and they're not well, trying to... Make it war, war is war, but there's there's clearly one side committing all the war crimes and another side committing some of the war crimes. Right. I'm just saying, like the the, the atrocities, the the horrifying factors of it all. It's like just to simplify it without trying to, you know, be. Wouldn't be happening if Russia just stayed home. Hey, that's why I said, man. If you were shooting at me from my house, I'm not coming over to your place for burgers later. Yeah. So, so I, I, I definitely don't think they're informing the families out of the kindness of their heart. I think the main tactic there is an information warfare tactic. Oh, 100%. Well, it's, it's, it's also probably uh, somewhat trying to turn the Russian public against the state more than they already are, if they are at all. So yep. it, it would more be like, oh, look, um, call us if you want to find out if your kid's dead because your government isn't doing it for yeah. you. Uh, exactly. Why are you supporting yeah. them in and that's this the invasion? That had is what you're saying. It's a, yeah. But what what he's saying is it's like how it really went down. How, how some yeah. lot of fucked up shit ended up happening around this. But you know what? Yeah. What's going to be more effective? Definitely part two. Uh, yeah. I mean, it, I don't think Russians are sending the pictures of dead Ukrainians to their moms because I think they got <laughs> better service and VPN blockers than they do. So, yeah, and it's, like uh, the the entire agenda that these people have is like to get air conditioners. Cool, you know. <laughs> like, why are they there? Why they need an AC unit? I saw a video and I sent it to my Ukrainian friend. And I was asking him because it was a Russian, a, a bunch of Russian soldiers walking down a road, and they stepped on a, I want to say like an anti tank mine, and they, you know, they went to high heaven. Mm, but they were all carrying yeah, I think something. I saw that. And yes, they they had like TVs strapped to their backs. Well, I don't know. No, I don't know what it was, but some of them had like white things in their hand. They weren't like two people like carrying like like as if you were carrying like a table or something out of a house. But like, I was like, what are they carrying? And he's like, probably laundry. 
uh, or uh, laundry machines, yeah, and laundry air conditioners. <laughs> I started laughing. Oh my god! <laughs> oh god! A big part of that is that the metal is worth something. So it's not just that they need an AC unit; it's that the metal is like you you strip copper too. You know, right? Like, yeah, 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 yeah. Well, there's so they're making a profit off that. the war. That all comes back to the corruption, where the where they're fucking selling their own ammunition. This equipment is ineffective because the commanders of the forces took that shit and sold it all. Well, if you think about it too, it's like a double-bladed sword that benefits Moscow because you send these people east of the Urals to go get killed in Ukraine. Makes more room for Russians in the east. Stalin redux. That's all it sounds like. That's eh, all it is. Yeah, basically. I mean... He's just solidifying his power and he's about to ice pick the last dude. <laughs> yeah, but Stalin... Stalin... This is this would be like S Stalin at his end, you know? Putin hasn't so stalin's when he came into like the iron you know like that was at the beginning of his reign you know mm. putin's at the end of his reign and this stuff's happening so it's it's uh it's a it's maybe it's a desperation to prove uh something and leave a legacy donkey brains sure he has donkey brains that's yeah, the diagnosis no donkey brains because ship ship for brains, that's more of an American thing. <laughs> ship for brains, ship for brains. So and then and then tankies have worms for brains, but Putin is not a tanky, right? Brain worms. He doesn't have he, you know. Isn't he though? You, you have brain rot. Well. You have brain rot. Trumpers have brain rot. Tankies yeah. have brain worms. Mm -hmm. Gaddafi he has marbles for brains. Putin has donkey brains. <laughs> <laughs> Right, it's as simple as political that. political analysis one hundred and one. Yeah. Well, I was trying to think of the perfect way to describe his brain, and he's a jackass. No, that's fair. Do you have a certificate that says you don't have donkey brains? <laughs> <laughs> Can't so, he die already? Can't someone just dome him and end this shit seriously? Do you think it's more about identity or power? Because you have the you have the Russian European identity paradox, but then it's like, is that Putin's real motivation? Because You'll even have Johnny Harris up there. He was talking about why Putin really loves Ukraine. He's talking about an essay that Putin wrote about how Ukraine and Russia are linked. And it's like, Johnny, Johnny, you Six. don't read what the dictator says and take their word for it. You got to analyze them, my guy. Stick to maps, pal. <laughs> it's what you got maps, Stick pal. to Subway. <laughs> yeah. yeah, Subway. Do maps, pal. Don't get into don't, don't try to figure out Putin guy. But uh, the, the whole thing with the Russian paradox to me is that it's so fascinating because you have a country that's the biggest country in the world as far as, like, borders Man. are concerned, right? And it's mostly, okay. it's mostly, mostly focused on uh, Moscow, which is a circular area that's basically geographically close to Europe, right? Mm-hmm. Anything East of the Urals, they don't really care about for the most part. It's not really developed for, you know, in a general aspect. It's still living in, like, Soviet-based ideology and infrastructure. I mean, there are still closed towns in the East. There's a lot of them, I think. Like, it's wild. And there's actually some that are still not known. Mm, yeah. There's still not some that are still not known to the West. From, from the Cold War era. I'm not yeah, even it's crazy. Up. And um, then you have the idea where they want to invade more of Eastern Europe and reclaim these old Warsaw Pact territories, but then they want to Russify them. 
and make it all Russian. But then yet they have all this land that they don't ethnically identify with because the people they're living in, when I was bringing it up earlier, is that they're sending those people over to go die in Ukraine. It's, it's, um, I was thinking more or less like just like the ethnic concept of it and the uh, cultural aspect because Russians in Moscow identify more or less as Europeans, but people east of the Urals don't, I, I would assume, don't identify as Europeans. They probably identify more as Asians or Euro Asians or whatever kind of term you want to label it as. That's the paradox aspect I have a hard time trying to grasp, especially as someone that's like comes from like a Polish background. I'm like, we're, we're like, my family's from Poland. Like, you know, they're from Eastern Poland and from Sy- uh, Silesia. And um, that's like kind of like the uh, area where it's like Ukrainian, Austrian, you Polish kind of mixed all kind of blends. It goes back to the Austro Hungarian Empire, basically. Um, when you see Putin trying to present these things, like I, like I said, he wants to conquer these things, but he doesn't really care about this this entire other aspect of his country. I, that's where I don't get. It, it's it's like he's trying to live that Saint Peter the Great kind of uh, uh, Elizabeth the Great kind of aspect, where I'm bringing Europe to Russia, but you're bringing Russia to Europe, but nobody wants it. And this is why I think that I uh, think it's all about his power paradox thing to me because I have a hard time grasping it. I'm like because you don't have donkey brains, that's why you can't make sense of it. <laughs> yeah, basically, it's like I'm trying no, to th- I'm trying to rationalize. Think about this. Like, There's no rationalization. You can't think about this though it. with uh, Euromaidan. The whole point is that it was like the European. The, it's like the goal is like we want to be more European. It's like talking about EU. They're saying it's NATO backed, all that stuff. The, the nonsense that they say, right? And then the East, you do have more. Russian wanted to stay closer to Russia, right? Because the people who are the elites in that area, the elites benefited from Russia in the East that were close to the border, right? Because they get, because that like they get the labor, you know, the labor comes over that border, like they use labor in a way, so it benefits them, right? So what I want to look at is the actual want for Ukraine to be European or just to not have Russia involved in their country, you know? Like, is it really about the European identity for Ukraine or is it about, uh, fuck Putin? And going back to what we're talking about, Putin's delusions of reclaiming that lost Soviet space, um, going back to the whole idea that it's he's pushing fascism, I think that's why he's so attracted to that national Bolshevism thing because it's like, oh, well, the worst thing to happen in the 20th century is the fall of the Soviet Union kind of shit that Putin was I don't saying. think he believes anything that he says, though. I think it's all about his think? power and his power alone. I don't think he believes in anything. Well, I think from, like, at least from my family growing up, like, being Polish and stuff, like, my grandmother used to say to me, she was she was born in 1916, and then she uh, passed away in 2019. That's the most important year in uh, history, you know. That's when, uh... Well, that's when that's when the irish rose up to the british all that and you know the midst of world war one too you know what i mean um or world yeah world war one but she uh passed away at 103 but she used to say to us like her father used to say if you think hitler's bad then you don't know stalin and i think um it's not so much about 
that's the whole i i think the fear of russia and their aspect is like um the slavic eastern countries forgetting the sacrifice of world war ii that the the, the communist bloc presented right you know and i roll my eyes as i'm saying this <laughs> um and I, I don't discredit the sacrifice that they put and that's the but whole there's thing. a great there's a great movie it's about belarus um come and see it's a soviet film you can see it completely for free on youtube because it was made in the soviet union and it doesn't exist it's a movie about the genocide in in belarus and the last stand against the nazi front mm. so it's a horrific movie but it's exactly what you're talking about is that the sacrifices that these people had it really depicts that the soviets actually didn't want this movie to come out because it was too real oh uh, yeah i mean like i said i'm not discrediting any of it it's just uh... it was less about communism though and it was more about if the germans advance here they're going to slaughter all of us we all have to fight that whole thing where you have like this uh the there's an aspect of like the soviets dominating the germans and killing the Germans, you know, they really were. Without them, it wouldn't have happened. It's it's kind of foolish in that regard because a lot of these people would end up being slaughtered by Stalin later. That's why I like the the based Polish take of fuck all of them. <laughs> I love seeing the I love seeing the Polish posters of like the uh, anti swastika, anti hammer and sickle. It's fucking fantastic. It's the best. It's the way everyone should be. Fuck them both. <laughs> mm. But to uh, bring it back, uh, I was just saying that, like, um, from the identity of... It's not so much about being... Stepping away from Russia, but, like, kind of, you were saying, like, it's like all the old Soviet bloc countries of the Slavic nations and stuff, and, like, uh, the Baltic nations and the Balkans and stuff like that, um, whether you're Slavic or not. Um, it's, uh, it's not so much being identified as communists or... Uh, crucified you know it's it's more or less being identified as your own self and i think that's at the end of the day what everyone wants to be just you know um themselves and you know their history remembered and ukraine in itself is definitely a country that has enough of identification i believe uh, you know whether anyone that disagrees with me or not i think just like poland or anywhere else um that because if you don't think in my opinion that ukraine isn't a country then you could say the same thing about russia like because if you want to go the historical context like every country is made up um so you were talking about the slavic countries and 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 just the identity there for a minute so you're talking about how they all used to they fight each other both nato and the eu have been a reason for these countries to settle their differences and be democratic with each other through those organizations so Which if you countries all of them, all those Slavic oh. countries who join NATO and the EU, that's huge. You know, the, the aspirations to join the EU is settling wars. Like they need to abide by these standards and it's, it's what's cutting corruption out of Ukraine is the want to be in the EU and NATO. It's just interesting to counter the narrative that they have that NATO is an imperialist expansionist force. No, it's I. I don't think it is. It's never really has been because if you really look at it, like look, if NATO wanted to be an imperialist expansionist force, then like why weren't they like taking over African countries for the last twenty years? I think Ukraine war will be as impactful to Europe as nine eleven was to America because there is like a before and after period that's clearly going on. Oh no, for sure. This is just one of those things where like people are like, are things going to go back to normal? I'm like, no. 
No. No. Like you, no, no, like, they'll it, never be normal again. No, and, and you think about those two countries, how close they are on the borders. Like they're they're gonna hate each other for so long. You destroyed like, well, not you guys, but like Russia destroyed like two, three generations worth of people now growing up. I started doing this because I'm just like honestly like into history and geopolitics and all that, and I used this page like a while ago for like music and art and stuff, and like it just kind of fell on the side and then i was i've been following the war since like 2013 2014 anyway mm -hmm. but then when the invasion started and i just see started seeing like people i started following like randomly like uh, i guess that's how like how the algorithm worked too like i started following them and now i'm working with a lot of them too um it just is like a personal thing um family background kind of stuff i have family over in poland still um so well, then also the people that you're working with will also have those same connections as well exactly and then through all this i've made a lot of connections on the ground whether it's photographers like people like you guys like independent journalists um uh people that um are literally fighting over there um people that are working with fundraisers and support groups um one of the guys i'm working with he's literally flying over there what's today the 11th uh he's flying over there tomorrow yeah. hmm, bad time to fly yeah <laughs> no, no, he, no he's not flying there today he's flying there tomorrow on the 12th yeah. from canada and uh he's going over there i don't know like as i say to some of the guys over there that i talk to um it's I think we're on the right side of history. I think it's for a good cause. And it's basically here just to support and see where this all takes me. Because, hey, I'm here talking with you guys. And I, <laughs> 200 days ago, I wouldn't have expected this. So, hey, it's pretty cool. So. I mean, it's great. There, you definitely, um, the, the, the way that we have been able to, like, because I just recently came to the Instagram front because I was like, okay, I guess I need to go on Instagram because we're about to start this business and I need to start promoting and build a social media account. So then I came there and I, and it was definitely, I think Ace was the first one that I got introduced. But then when I talked to you about collaborations and stuff, it was like, I really learned about like how powerful Instagram can be used for the war in Ukraine. Mm -hmm. It's insane. Yeah, I would say besides probably Telegram and Twitter, Instagram. Well, Telegram, you also have to know what the channels are, right? Because the collab yes. system with Instagram, it's exposing new information. Like, it's just, it's it works for everyone involved. Right, and mostly, too, we're bringing information that's from areas that Western media and people that are on the Western sites aren't seeing. For instance, like the region from where you and me are from, People aren't on Telegram, like, looking no. at, like, things from Eastern Europe or China or Africa or wherever, you know what I mean? I've always been, like, there has to be people who care the same way I do about people. Like, mm -hmm. I'm not focused on one specific area. It's just oppression in general. Um, right. Same here. So I was, like, there's got to be people who feel the same way. And it's, like, you just have to make them care. And Putin made us care. 